Thank you, Cathy. Poetry became an enduring and dominant symbol of the Great War, even more so, some suggest, than film, fiction or memoir. Whether we agree on the place of poetry in the pecking order, it is undoubtedly a pillar of Great War memory. Today, I'd like to highlight the contribution that Australians made, particularly the combatants, the soldier poets, to this fundamental artistic enterprise. Australian Great War poetry has long been overshadowed by the British trench poets, most notably Wilfred Owen and Siegfried Sassoon. Today I'll give a taste of some of our best poems and poets, most of which and of whom are unfortunately unfamiliar in our own country. I hope in a small way to elevate their status in the Australian narrative of the Great War. In doing so, I'll trace poetry across theatres of war and poets and conclude with the important consideration of the soldier poet in the post-war world. Before I continue, I'd just like to acknowledge the artworks in my presentation today from Newcastle artist Don Jordan. Starting first with Gallipoli. Harley Matthews was a private in the 4th Battalion and he landed at Gallipoli on the 25th of April and he also served briefly in France. He published a sequence of long narrative poems in a volume called Vintage, which was published in 1938, and a later iteration called Vintage of War. These poems are significant for their insight, impact and style. Lehman and Gray dubbed a number of the vintage poems as being among the outstanding English language poems of the First World War. The poem, The Day Before, which I'd like to read today in part, is an emotional and human recollection of being aboard a troop ship the previous afternoon and the night before the men manned the boats and hit the shores of Gallipoli. And these are the last two stanzas of the poem the day before. We were on deck, all lined up in the darkness. The ship was trembling as she slackened speed. No sound, only the water washing cold along her length. No lights showed anywhere, aboard or on the sea. But a star might scribble in a wave's gulf. Then the crest rolled and smudged all out, lest anyone might read. And we a while ago sat in the light, below where men ate, drank and spoke. Some sang, for that was our last meal together. Here we stood now, scarcely in the world of men. No sound to tell we lived in it, no sight. Air, water flowed by. Immense moments passed. The morning star leapt from the deepest band of darkness, high up. Was that cloud or land? Now it was shot with running fire. What had kindled that? Soon it was all made clear. Over the sea, the sound of rifles rang. Within Australia, Leon Gellert is the best known of our Australian soldier poets. He was a private as well and he also landed at Gallipoli on the 25th of April with the 10th Battalion. His volume, Songs of a Campaign, published in 1917, rendered three editions, and the third was illustrated by Norman Lindsay. 
Songs is divided into several sections, dealing very broadly with the lead up to the war, life in the trenches and the soldier in the post-war world. While his trench poems are the most referred to, some of his allegorical poems which deal with the war at large are his most potent. The poem The Attack at Dawn is a good example of Gellert's trench poems. The Attack at Dawn. At every cost, they said, it must be done. They told us in the early afternoon, we sit and wait the coming of the sun. We sit in groups, grey groups that watch the moon. We stretch our legs and murmur half in sleep and touch the tips of bayonets and yawn. Our hands are cold. They strangely grope and creep, tugging at ends of straps. We wait the dawn. Some men come stumbling past in single file and scrape the trenches side and scatter sand. They trip and curse and go. Perhaps we smile. We wait the dawn. The dawn is close at hand. A gentle rustling runs along the line. At every cost, they said, it must be done. A hundred eyes are staring for the sign. It's coming. Look, our God's own laughing son. If we move to the Western Front, Frederick Manning is the most internationally recognised of the Australian soldier poets. He was living in England at the time the war broke out. He was actually a poet before the war and he joined the British infantry as a private, serving in the trenches of the Somme. His autobiographical novel, The Middle Parts of Fortune, was described by Hemingway as the finest and noblest book of men in war. Manning's poetry collection, Idola, published in 1917, contains some 20 war poems. The poems grotesque and the trenches are the most anthologised of any of the Australian Great War poems. The notion of the soldier as being ultimately alone is a recurring theme in Manning's poetry, as is the contrast between beauty and vileness. The poem Leaves is an example of the latter. Leaves. A frail and tenuous mist lingers on baffled and intricate branches. Little gilt leaves are still, for quietness holds every bough. Pools in the muddy road slumber, reflecting in different stars. Steeped in the loveliness of moonlight is earth, and the valleys brimmed up with quiet shadow with the mist of sleep. But afar on the horizon rise great pulses of light, the hammering of guns wrestling, locked in conflict, like brute stone gods of old, struggling confusedly. Then overhead purrs a shell and our heavies answer with sudden, sudden glapping brutes of sound, loosening our shells that stream whining and whimpering precipitately, hounding through the air of thirst for blood. And the little gilt leaves flicker in falling like waifs and flakes of flame. Continuing with the Western Front, Henry Price otherwise known as Gunner 379, is an underrated poet. He served in, as a signaller in France in late 1917 and his experiences are reflected in the collection 
your old battalion published in 1926. It was movingly dedicated to his brothers Alan and Charlie, who did not return. Price's poems cover life at the front, and they also extend to meditations on the bitterness and trauma suffered by returned servicemen. Price's poem, Silence Falls, about the silence at the moment of armistice, can be found on the Australian War Memorial website. Price personifies the industrial machinery of warfare, the machine guns and the artillery. Price's guns spit and laugh, exemplified in this extract from the poem, The Vicar's Gun. I heard the winging of Apollyon's host, about me and above me, sound of strife, hushed on earth, and then the dream was lost. The black form shook and leapt to dreadful life, spat flame, spat flame and laughter, and rolling clouds, red shot with leagues of flame, wept over Passchendaele until morning came. There is also hunger in the landscape of the battlefield, such as that of the deadly crater pool, a fetid pool of water created by the explosion of artillery shells, was literally a depth death trap, beckoning unwitting soldiers into its depths. And the following is the middle stanza from Crater Pool. <clears throat> beware, beware, good soldier. Others such as thou have come this night, in the dark, the rain and sleet, pressing each upon his foe. Saw too late my face aglow. Felt my fingers clutch their feet. Darker my depths, good soldier, by thy fevered eyes are bright. Poetry also emerged from the Middle East, where Australians, particularly those of the Australian Light Horse, played a significant part. Trooper Edwin Gerard, who wrote as Trooper Gerardi, was a balladist, and he wrote of his experiences in the collection Australian Light Horse Ballads and Rhymes. Gerardi's poems, Two Scouts, recalls the fate of two horsemen whose role was to reconnoitre at the front of a mounted column, looking cautiously for the enemy, poking into the desert blankness. I'd like to read today just the epigraph from that poem, a poem wrought with pathos. Spent is a bitter storm of lead, and sorrow upon my heart is lying, for smiling Arthur Malone is dead, and Harry Devine is dying. One of the least heralded aspects of war memory is the impact, of the combat impact on the combatants in the post-war world. These are the shattered Anzacs described by historian Marina Larson in her recent book, examining the aftermath of the Great War on the soldiers and their families. It is an aftermath reflected in physical and emotional wounds and of unspeakable and irreparable sadness. Both Leon Gellert and Henry Price write powerfully of this, as does Martin Boyd, the final poet that I'd like to share today. Boyd came from the artistic Boyd family and he travelled to England specifically to enlist as an officer in the British Army. An uncle had advised uh, his parents that they didn't think Boyd would cut it in the ranks of the Australian Army and that he should go and, and join people of his own class. He fought on the ground in the Western Front and also as an airman with the Royal Flying Corps. 
The poem Retrospect comes from the volume by the same name, which Boyd self-published in 1920. Retrospect. We are contented now, for we've forgotten the lanes that lead through mud and slime to slaughter, the bitter taste of sleepless nights, the rotten dead bodies lying in the fouler water. We have forgotten weariness and pain, and dark and dawn and frost and oozing feet. For now we walk on asphalt paths again, down the politely mad suburban street. In France, they say, red dripping leaves fall still in autumn to the mouldy smelling earth. And underneath are the closed eyes of friends. And they are quiet there, and the wind is chill. But they will rise to greet us with great mirth when we burst the chains and this asylum ends. From the small selection today, I hope you've gained some insight into the poetry of the Australian soldier poets. There is much more to explore and I'd encourage you to seek out the volumes and they're available in the library. I'd like to give the last word to Leon Gellert with one of his allegorical poems, a characteristic style of his, which I alluded to earlier. While this poem reflects the end of conflict and the retreat of the warrior, Gellert placed it as the first poem in the third edition of Songs of the Campaign. It's called The Retirement of Mars. He pauses on his way and gazing back across the desert ways of splintered steel, recalls the noon and sees his weary track and sees the bloody imprints of his heel. A Mars long tired he stands, a noble Mars, stiff with the staggering day and fields hard won. His bruised helm is glittering with scars that gleam afar and spy the setting sun. With red plumes doffed and foe-revering face, he moves the droop to seek the sea, the waves, to seek the sighing winds, the shades of space, and rest his heart within the twilight caves. The dazzling axe is deep, its lord abed. The dead are lying with the friendly dead. Thank you.